Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply pros to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Patrick Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Allie Martin. And today we are talking to Dr. Naveen Goyal and Wolf star of Ohio Impact Fund, the Pride Impact Fund, uh, Loud VC, and Atlas Partners. So I just threw out a whole bunch of venture capital groups at you. Yes, you explain. (laughs) (laughs) So Impact Funds, they are a subsector of venture capital. So if you do not understand venture capital yet, please go back to our previous episodes. We do have a Venture Capital 101 episode that you should go check out. But venture capital social impact funds like a return on the investment that they make into a startup, but they also really care about that social impact piece and the metrics behind that. So Dr. Naveen Goyle used to be a anesthesiologist turned venture capitalist, uh, well, turned founder, turned venture capitalist, then turned author and still venture capitalist. And now he's doing all these funds. Wolf, he is part of Atlas Partners and is a managing partner for all these various impact funds. So the Ohio Impact Fund, the Pride Impact Fund. So with that said, I'm super excited to have them on and talk about impact funds and what they can do for Ohio. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting hearing their stories as to what led them to create impact funds. I think this is something that a lot of businesses and companies are looking towards now is what are they leaving behind in this world? How are they impacting their community? How are they impacting their employees? And I think they're going to be able to articulate that a little bit better. And I look forward to learning. So on that note, let's bring them in. Let's do Well, welcome to the Wed Pigs Fly podcast to Naveen and Wolf. Uh, we are glad to have you guys on. And uh, to start off, uh, Wolf and Naveen, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of background about yourselves and how you guys came to work together. All right. Uh, so I'm Wolf. Grew up here in Columbus. Um, Naveen also, mostly yes. uh, Columbus-based. And uh, my background was very much in blue collar work, everything from Christmas lights and seal coating to concrete and snow removal. Uh, Then I ran a shop local program, became a festival producer, got a call from the West Coast uh, asking if I'd be interested in getting into venture. And at that point, all I knew about venture was if I needed $25,000 at the last minute for a festival, I'd call VCs and say, bring your LPs to our event. And um, we could solve that problem and give them the best backstage experience ever. Uh, But then once we started um, working in VC, we created a program called Radical Collaboration, where we went city to city, including Cincinnati, um, where we'd load up a bus in Columbus, come to Cincinnati, um, and then uh, do a TED Talk style mixture of people from Columbus talking about what they were doing, people from Cincinnati talking about what they were doing. And then a month later, we'd load up a bus in Columbus and a bus in Cincinnati, and we'd go to Indy. And so we ended up doing uh, 23 events in 17 different cities back in 2019. It it was a lot of moving around. Shout out to Cher for driving us all the way. Um, But our our lead partner was this scrappy little upstart VC fund uh, that was Loud Capital. And... They um, became our partners on the road. So we'd show up a day before the bus showed up and they'd stay a day after and we'd just have these long beer meetings about like how 
how we could change the face of venture. And that's, that's when I met this amazing gentleman. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Naveen. I uh, wanted to be a physician for a long time growing up. I grew up in Columbus, as Wolf said, and ended up getting into medical school and went to UC. So I was in uh, Cincinnati for four years, went to medical school, uh, trained in anesthesiology in Chicago, and then moved back to Columbus for private practice. I was good, got my you know dream job, dream career, uh, and then you know human nature settles in and starts boredom starts sending in and wanting to to learn more and be more creative uh, started creeping in. I had the opportunity to start a company which was a mobile anesthesia company called Smile MD back in 2014. That's what got me into the entrepreneurial space. Uh, knew nothing about business, just knew the anesthesia part. So learning that from networking and talking to a lot of different folks. Mm. Um, and just learn by doing is what happened. Uh, that really started picking up and my interest in entrepreneurship really just elevated. A year later, after meeting so many great entrepreneurs and really having new friendships and relationships with non-medical people, uh, mm -hmm. I realized that there was a lot of entrepreneurs looking for funding. And it was no secret, but to really get to know these folks who are doing really big things like leaving their place of comfort or leaving really great, stable, comfortable jobs to pursue a higher purpose or just a strong passion, but could not get funding was something that really opened my eyes. So ended up raising a fund back in 2015 with my co-founder of Loud Capital at the time. Um, and we, we started right there as a side gig fund to help fund entrepreneurs and to bring investors in who wanted to get a piece of startups because that was something that they didn't have access to, nor did they really get to know these entrepreneurs very well. So they saw me as a resource for that. And that's what started out as our first fund, which rolled into more funds. And then organically what started happening was the opportunity of how we look at what funds can do. And outside of placing bets in companies to make money for investors and ourselves, which that's a component, not the component, there's an opportunity to just grow impactful businesses. And so when you spend time and money and, and your relationships and friendships on a project, no one wants that project to fail. And so many times in the venture space, there's a lot of permission to let things fail or go without much recourse and then move on. But there's people behind that. And so it's really just looking more comprehensively as venture equals economic development. And so economic development means funds, including public-private partnerships, including marketing and other businesses and other stakeholders, including the investors. So uh, that's, that's what's really started out as Loud Capital. And I ended up leaving my anesthesia job in 2019 to you know, put the action behind the, the greater purpose. You're, you're starting to kind of, uh, you know, open this conversation up, which I think is really great. And, and the reason why we really want to have this conversation is to highlight impact funds, right? And I think we need to backtrack a little bit yeah. and first right out the gate say, what is an impact fund for those who don't know what it is? Yeah, great question. Um, so an impact fund is a fund which is simultaneously focused on impacting the lives and the environment of our world, but also providing great returns back to our investors. So traditionally, it's always been an either or. You're either philanthropic, trying to support the community, the environment, and those things you care about, 
or you're very much focused on making investments in order to get your return, in order to grow your, your monetization. Impact funds, at least our impact funds and many of the ones we work with, are focused on proving that you can get those same great results while supporting the causes that you care about. So it's that perfect merger of investment and philanthropy in order to uh, make the world better and, and prove the concept that your money can do good while it's also doing well. So this might be a silly question, but it's also classified as impact investing too, correct? Or is that separate? It, it is. So there are lots of different kinds of impact investing. You can do an uh, impact investment into a nonprofit. You can do a impact investment into a for-profit. Uh, where we really focus is those businesses that are truly venturable, that are able to change the world and do amazing things, but are inextricably connected to a social or environmental good. Would you, can you give some examples of maybe some prominent impact funds that people might recognize? Yeah, so a, a great example is Backstage Capital. Uh, that was really one of the first. Um, our industry has evolved more in the last two years than it did in the last 20. And they were one of, uh, I, I would say Arlen Hamilton is, is the godmother of um, investing with a purpose in, in really smart and creative ways. But also, if you look at uh, 68 um, Capital out of Indy, that's a wonderful example. And they have a great presence in Cincinnati where uh, they are investing specifically in underrepresented communities. Also, Overlooked are good friends of ours. Uh, Heartland Ventures are another one. Um, and, and really what, what everyone says is we can create a, a better next generation of investment platforms. What gave you guys this idea to go into impact investing versus let's just go ahead and investor money, get that monetary return, and then maybe donating, you know, your profits or your portion of your profits to a nonprofit or, you know, put it in your pocket and then you can go donate that money into it's whatever cause you want. the front end rather than the back end, if that's maybe a good way to put it. Yeah, but, but, but let me, yeah, that's a great question. Here's an example. There, there's a lot of people who want to invest to make money, which is absolutely this, the same side we're all on. But to make money off of perhaps companies or things that aren't aligned with what you want to do with that money. So let's say you make a, a ton of money and then you want to um, d donate some money to um, countries where kids don't have shoes, mm -hmm. right? And so, but what if that company had to, neg was negatively impacting economies or communities that actually affected the health of kids? I know this is, sounds kind of generic, but you know, then you look at Tom's Shoes, Tom's Shoes, which is a for-profit company, and you invest early into Tom's Shoes, and you are able to make money off of that as an investor. But guess what Tom's Shoes does? Tom's Shoes has a for-profit business model, but for every shoe you buy, they buy a pair of shoes for people around the world who don't have shoes. And so all I'm saying is it doesn't have to be separate. And many times people are making a lot of money and then they care about these purposes. They can be counteracting. Like that company that you just made money on can actually 
negatively affect the things you care about. So if you care about the environment, you might be making money off of uh, a company that's really toxic to the environment, and then that money you just made and also supported off of that, which is counter to what your beliefs are, and then you're putting money that's a little bit slow. So it's like sometimes it's a couple steps forward and five steps backward. So what when I when I personally made that connection, it's it's like the oh my gosh, you know, the light bulb moment because we all care mm -hmm. about things and we all want to make yeah. money. So what if we can do that together, without any sacrifice mm -hmm. of either, right? Just like we care what products we buy, just like we care what company we work for, we should care where we put our money and make our money. Says a lot. So it's just it's just being consistent. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and before, I don't think people cared as much with the products or knew as much, but now we do, you, right? You literally just segued into my question is when, when did imp impact uh, funds start to become relevant, right? I feel like this is pretty recent because put your money where your mouth is, like you just said. Um, do you, are you aware of that at all? I, I would say that it's, it's something which has been growing more and more over the past five to six years. Um, no more so than during the pandemic. Um, there, there is a real awakening that you weren't able to just run a fund and pretend as though the KPIs are only financial um, at, at, at any fund right now. Investors want to know that their money is going towards good, not evil. Hmm. And so they're increasingly asking, how are you doing it? How are you measuring it? Where is my money and going? And do you think that's just because consumers are getting smarter or these businesses actually care? I think it's because the world has has really refocused a little bit. And, and by the world, all of our views of what is happening um, in a almost post-pandemic situation where we all got a chance to reflect. And I've seen many industries change. I mean, you look at corporate industries and they're dealing with all of their employees rethinking whether they're going to come back to work or not. When when we're taking a deep look at our industry, it's how how do we want to be? Are we just fighting for dollars or are we fighting to change the world? And so we've been able to, um, along with so many other amazing impact funds, uh, sort of draw a line in the sand and say, if it's going to be bad, we're not going to do it. But if it's not going to be great, we're not very interested. It doesn't wake us up in the morning. Pursuing with a purpose. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that I think also the the younger folks do care more about what's behind things. If I'm going to again apply for a job, I care what the culture's about. I care what the company's actually doing. I feel like before a couple decades ago, it was more, hey, like this is my job. These are my benefits. I think the standard is just elevated. And I think this, I might be repeating myself and you might be repeating yourself, but I just, because we're talking about this light bulb moment that you had, right, Naveen? And for clarity, when it comes to impact funds, do corporate companies also involve themselves in impact funds? Or is this, you know, a VC yeah. route? How does it apply yeah. to other larger corporate companies and what does that look like? I'm actually glad you brought this up. Corporate companies do invest uh, many corporations invest in these various funds. Yeah. And actually, and is that a great an extension example. of the company? 
or is it completely? Uh, it, it, can, it, can, it, can, it can depend on how they're structured. Let's say you're a large corporation and you make a good amount of profit and you decide you want to invest in the next iteration of what your company is yeah. doing. And so you can invest in different funds that are supporting that or the same industry just to, to, to get a piece of different companies that are entering your industry. There's, there's a lot of different things, but I do want to bring up a point is, and this is what I want to educate corporations on, if there is a company that does care about these things, many times they are investing in fund managers or funds or different financial vehicles that aren't necessarily aligned with their company culture and purpose. And it's not their fault. It's because that really like that wasn't on top of mind before. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a level of transparency behind the fund managers or the funds. But that's what we're trying to bring attention to is if you care about this, make sure that money's going towards there. Now, with all of this, this leads us to the impact funds that you two are creating. Talk about those. So we currently have two and a half specific impact funds that we do. So Loud is on their third signature fund, which are truly impact funds without being called impact funds, where uh, one thing which we admired and why we partnered up together was because Loud isn't going to do something which is bad for the world. Mm. And so whether it's investing into a hydrogen fuel cell that is going to be able to refill stuff on the moon or a uh, medical company that's taking uh, the emergency room to different neighborhoods, different cities in rural Ohio, Louisiana, Texas, whatnot, um, they already had it figured out, but we didn't have it labeled. And so after our radical collaboration tour and, and many conversations around psychopathy, um, we came up with this idea of doing specific impact funds that were going to target underrepresented communities and, and founders which are traditionally overlooked for different reasons. Uh, but then we took it one step further and we said, it shouldn't be the two of us who are running these funds. It should be the communities which are. And we started cultivating this playbook to help give them the best chance of success. So um, the first one which we founded was the Pride Fund. Nice. It's a $10 million uh, fund specifically for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and we thought that would start local, but it went national when PitchBook gave us some love. And thank you. Uh, so that's been growing rapidly and we have an amazing CEO overseeing that that we support. Our second is the Ohio Impact Fund, which is created in order to support what's traditionally known as social enterprises uh, throughout the state of Ohio. We call them impact-driven businesses because no city in Ohio can agree upon what a social enterprise is, but ultimately it's a for-profit business that can grow and with every step of their growth, they can help support the people and the environment of Ohio. And our third, which we'll be rolling out this January is the United Dream Fund based out of our DC office focused on new Americans, immigrants, and refugees. So um, our goal is to create uh, seven more of these specific impact funds over the next eight years um, and, and find leaders from those communities that are outsiders to our industry to be able to lead it. And then we'll just be the back office to help them grow and give them what they need. Um, so you guys are busy to say the least, let's put it that way. Um, but when you guys are, when these funds are up in action, this might be a two-parted question, but how is it actually applicable? And then how are you able to calculate that impact? Uh, that has been an amazing question, which we have spent much, much time on. 
Um, and luckily, we have a partnership with Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, that's helping us track the, uh, the, the true social return on investment that we're doing. Um, this is something we're first implementing through the Ohio Impact Fund, uh, through our partners at the Sugarbush Foundation. But we are going to expand out to all of the companies that we work with because everybody's got a social benefit and we need to make sure that we're able to give those returns to our investors and our partners and our community alongside here's how well it's done financially. And those those metrics are, like Wolf said, are, are currently being developed because if you think about it, how do you measure return? We call it ROI or return on impact, which includes return on investment. That's just one piece of a larger piece. And so when it comes to, let's say, healthcare companies, and you're talking about saving time and saving um, not only costs, but saving time and progression of disease, right? So if you take care of something early on in a five-year-old child and you reduce the progression of disease, that if you didn't get, you know, have this company take care of them and it's a year later, what they went through, how much uh, productivity or learning or education they lost, that's really hard to measure, but we're trying to figure what makes sense in a scalable model of how to measure that. Would there be, just off the top of mind, a metric that I guess supersedes all other metrics just from your initial conversations about developing out your metric uh, tracking? So this feels as though the conversation we have with the Voinovich School down at Ohio University on a very regular basis, where there is not going to be a metric which matches every single one of the investments which we've done, but we can set three metrics for every company we've invested in. And so we're going to have a total of probably 15 metrics with three of them applying to each of the companies. And so when you take a look at our total fund, which currently has, I think, seven companies in the portfolio, but by the time that we're fully deployed, we'll have close to 25. We're going to be able to show our investors and our partners and our community, here is where we've landed on each of the 15 or so that we've had by aggregating all of their impacts together. We're trying to take something that's very qualitative to quantitative. Um, can we pull and use the pride fund as an example of maybe you have some examples of what the ROI on impact for specifically pride would look like? Yeah, absolutely. So pride fund was originally stood up in order to support LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs or companies that were focused on supporting the LGBTQ plus community. But what we found is every company that we've invested in, has had at least a co-founder from the community, but also an impact for, for the community. So taking a look at a company like Reverie, who's just a, a rock star, they're essentially queer Netflix, um, for, for a lack of a better phrase. What they do is they give away time on their station to other LGBTQ plus owned businesses, and they're able to show us how many free advertisements they're able to run for the community, where if they were to try and run those advertisements on YouTube or Cheddar or Disney Plus, whatever, uh, they would not have that opportunity. So they're able to give us back those stats. Or if you take a look at a company um, such as Optic Surge, which is this amazing, it's Google Glasses for the operating room. That's cool. They're able to show how they've created so many jobs for members of the community in 
in, in local spaces, in national spaces, and even in international spaces. And so it's been really interesting. And so that's part of what we've been trying to boil down. Now, if someone is looking to start an impact fund, what does that even look like? Good question. So uh, my first step was begging Naveen to do it with me. <laughs> He's like, do you want to come to a happy hour with me? Tabs open. <laughs> what I actually did was I stole his keys and I gave him a local IPA. And um, I said, okay, here's what I want to do with that the rest of my life. psychopathy is coming full circle. <laughs> oh, man. It is Friday. So, um, we sound so desperate. Our, our greatest strategic advantage is our partnership with Lau. Mm-hmm. It not only gives us the credibility, but it gives us that back of office strength in their experience that they've done over their signature funds and over their other vehicles during all these years where we're constantly fighting about, and by we, I mean all impact funds, and explaining to our investors, explaining to our partners that we are not philanthropic, that we are real business. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have the backing of a group such as Loud uh, has, has really helped us answer so many of those questions. Uh, for other individuals interested in opening an impact fund, I, I just recommend radical collaborations with other funds. If if you're a black individual that wants to start a fund, suddenly you have the opportunity to go to one of the whitest boardrooms in the world and say, here's what I want to do, here's how I want to do this, and get their back-end support. And it's good for both parties, and it's good for the world because it allows these more traditional venture funds or venture organizations to be able to diversify their portfolio in a really smart way. It takes a lot of the marketing risk and and the headaches of who's going to be the face of it off of it. But then it also provides them that institutional knowledge. And there are a lot of other ways to do it. There are a lot of partnerships that are potentially there. Um, But I really recommend the merger between the old school and the new school. And I think, you know, Ali, you had mentioned before, like, how do you get people to come in and, and, and do impact funds, it just matters what people care about. So everyone on our team cares about this. In fact, uh, I'm a successful leader because everyone around me is smarter than me. Like when, you know, that, that's what they say. I, I could have never strive for that, but I've arrived. And so we have a lot of really, really intelligent, ambitious, accomplished people who have joined our team who've come from other places and they just said, they are in a phase of higher purpose and they see it when they join us. How do you guys make sure that you're not coming off as pandering to these communities? I think right now in 2022, you hear a lot of businesses say, hey, we're going to make a difference in these communities. We're going to invest X amount of dollars. We're going to hire X amount of people. But a lot of times it comes out as lip service. So how do you guys make sure that you're not coming off as pandering and that you're actually supporting the communities that you say that you're impacting? So that's a great question. And the main answer is that we know that we should not solely be the leaders of these funds. So taking a look at any of the funds which we operate, the first thing that we do is we get community buy-in. So we put together a team of venture partners from throughout the community who have a vested interest in being a part of it. Um, and if, if there isn't the interest, then that is, that is not something, that is not a community that we should be operating within. And then the next thing that we do is we build out our leadership team from that community. So in the example of the Pride Fund, um, after I stole Naveen's keys, the next thing that I did was steal Denzel Porteous's <laughs> keys. 
I actually went to his front porch and knocked on his door until he answered and explained what we were doing. And he was a venture partner of ours early on when we were daydreaming this whole thing. And at, at that point, he just left a very phenomenal marketing career with some different nonprofits around town and was going into a position of being uh, the head of our LGBTQ plus center. And I just explained what we were doing and asked if he had the capacity to be able to take this both on. And after he told me no twice, he told me yes. And that really matters the most. He is a phenomenal um, bi, black, immigrant, rock star who has cultivated the community as a leader. And now this is something else which he can do to be able to grow community, not just through his role as the executive director of Stonewall Columbus, but also as a young VC coming into this space that is able to be very open about who he is, very proud of who he is, and, and really be a leader. Because it sounds like in order to get people to, I, I say the word like buy-in within reason, um, you really have to have representations on all front, depending on the community that you're entering. Um, now, we all, you also had mentioned you started to dive into this in 2015. That's really not that long ago, and this is, still seems to be kind of new, a new concept for you know, companies. And beyond um, your, the struggles of the return of investment on impact, what are some of the biggest challenges that impact funds face? I would say that is, is having corporations, individuals, institutions mm -hmm. understand that what, what I kind of described before is as you care about these mm -hmm. things, and so where your money goes should be important, but there's no sacrifice on return of investment. And so that, that piece is newer, right? And, and, and I think that's, that's what comes to mind right now. So the more corporations and people and foundations and you name it can hear this discussion or at least be willing to understand and listen like how important it is for where their money goes, um, I think, we're gonna have um, some some really great success. We're already seeing it. We're already seeing people starting to be intentional about it. But the more we can educate people and communities on this, the more we feel like it's a very natural thing. Because again, you're doing it with your food. You're doing it with your products. You're doing it with the people you spend time with. Now, what about the money? That's you know, money. We didn't talk about this real quick. Money is so powerful, right? Money is very powerful. So if you really care about it, what you're doing with your money is extremely important. And so you can talk about it on a smaller scale of a consumer product. Now think about these big chunks of change that corporations and institutions put their money in. It's very powerful. So it's very important where that money goes. It, it also comes to a point where most funds will not accept a check for less than $250,000. And it's because it is just as challenging of a relationship with an investor who is coming in a small dollar value as one who is coming in with a gigantic. In fact, in many cases, if someone cuts a 50 or $100,000 check, that is a bigger difference in their lives than to someone who cuts a 500 or a million dollar check. And so it, it's required us to be very, very lean because we are not a exceptionally well-funded state venture fund. We are a fund that is made up of the community. 
and being able to work with the community. And so we've had to be lean, we've had to borrow from each other. I mean, one of the greatest strengths that we have is when the Ohio Impact Fund needs marketing direction, we can go to the Pride Fund because we have a great marketer there. When the Pride Fund needs someone to come on in and, and, and get the rest of us into shape on our operations, we're able to lean upon this other fund and quite frankly, call loud and, and say, this is what we need as far as resources. So we would not be able to operate these funds unless we had multiple, just based on the economics. Well, speaking of the team, uh, you know, how, how do you get the entire team on board to, you know, not only talk the talk, but walk the walk? Uh, recently, we had Madtree on the podcast to uh, talk about their business model and their focus on, you know, environmental sustainability, uh, social impact. How, and they are literally walking the walk and talking the talk by you know, having required, you know, volunteer hours, and it's led to them having enough, more than enough hires uh, than ever before. How do you, I guess, either find the people that care about what you guys are doing, and how do you make sure that the team is all on board and walking the walk of your social impact funds? So I love this, and it's the first opportunity I've had publicly to tell one of my favorite stories. When we first started the Pride Fund, um, one of the partners at Loud, who has an amazing heart and is just a phenomenal leader, um, came to me and said, why do we need to have this fund? Like, why? Um, he, he, he put it out there, like, I've got friends from the community and they're very successful, and so I don't know why this needs to exist at this moment at that time. And that allowed us to realize what we needed to do as a team in order to get everyone up to um, the understanding of the challenges. And so we ended up doing uh, an amazing gender training seminar where we were able to talk through the hardships. Denzel was given free reign to just yell at everybody whenever uh, something was, was wrong. And it, it was really beautiful because we're talking about VCs, which all have their own background and they've all earned their space within the community. Um, but they don't necessarily see what's going on in these communities in every single way which they are. And so it was a lot of education. I mean, I probably got asked by almost every partner on the team why myself as a straight dude is really spearheading this um, pride fund. And what we, what we were able to do was introduce the, the hardships and the reason for the need. And everyone was extremely um, receptive to it and everyone understood. And that allowed them to move from just being an ally, which is supportive, to a real accomplice. Um, and, and we've had to do that again with the Ohio Impact Fund. What does that education actually look like, right? What type of training, how do you break through the noise, right? Because we're super distracted. In the case of the Pride Fund, we literally had to have everyone leave their phones at the front nice. desk, come into a room, meet with this amazing trans men and, and, and talk. And we also had to, to give the permission for every question which could be asked. And it was, hey, this is your safe space. We know that you want to learn. We want to help you learn. But ask your questions to us so you don't have to hold them inside or ask them to someone where it might be uncomfortable. 
I think that's great, right? Because depending on what the impact fund is based around, being able to create a healthy space for people to ask questions is half the battle. Exactly. One of my last questions that I want to ask both of you, and hopefully that you two both can answer, is through this entire journey, right, from what you know now to when you started, what would you tell your your younger self? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take longer, it's going to take more money, and it's going to be more frustrating. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but it's freaking worth it. Oh, I love that. Those are four things, but... Sums it up in a nice bow. <laughs> uh, my, the thing which I wish I knew back then was that there's a lot of education available for free and absorb it early so that you're powered by that. Mm, that. So that's why we, we started a, a VC book club for emerging managers. Pretty much everyone who invests into us, we send them a book and... Then when they get through that book, we'll send them another and then we'll send them another and we'll send them another. And that's been wonderful because it allows our team and our investors and our partners to grow on their own timelines. Uh, because at first it was, all right, I'll have a conversation with someone and then a week will go by and I'll have another conversation with someone. Um, but what we really want these emerging managers and these new investors to do is to be able to consume it quickly, um, but at their own pace. And so, yeah, it's been great. Um, and for my last question for both of you, what do you think Ohio could be doing better to support impact funds or just support founders in general? I think that what we could be doing as a state is really owning the fact that we have so many of these amazing emerging funds popping up alongside the, the rock stars which are doing their things throughout the state that are really um, more institutional, stronger, that are supporting these funds. But I think Ohio, more than most other states, has really had an amplification over the last couple of years of these amazing uh, emerging fund managers that are proving on a national scale how powerful things are in Ohio. Not all of them invest solely into Ohio. Not all of them invest um, solely into a single purpose. But if you add all of us together, uh, there aren't a lot of places that are uh, maturing as quickly as we are in the, the venture space. And we could take a look at what's happening in Ohio and how we're supporting founders and make that a recipe that can then be shared with the rest of the country. Um, but as far as what we could do be, be doing better, we just need to come out of COVID and start interacting, start figuring out how we can find economies of scale, how we can reconnect with, with the founder in a suburb of Cincinnati and connect them with somebody in Youngstown, Ohio, or somebody in Toledo and, and connect them with Athens. And uh, everybody is ready and willing to collaborate, but we need to keep building those bridges so that it's nice and easy and accessible. And now I'll just add uh, my little tidbit. Um, similar to what I was saying about corporations and institutions looking to where their money's going, I, should ju I just want the state of Ohio to, to also do that on a regular basis. I actually think every state should do this, every institution should do this. Just make sure when you're investing in the venture ecosystem or supporting fund managers, continue to make sure that the action is consistent with the purpose.
and then that's a very broad statement, but that's applicable to Ohio. Um, as, as there's so much more money and action and actually people moving here, let's make sure that the venture ecosystem, which is supporting entrepreneurship from the ground up, uh, is consistent with what Ohio is becoming, which is really a magnet of innovation and a magnet of, of jobs and talent. And I can tell you here, you know, from Columbus and even just from Cincinnati, man, the ecosystems are buzzing right now. So let's make sure the venture partners and the uh, fund managers are also representative of, of the community that's being built. That. And if people want to become a part of that ecosystem or learn more about you 2 and impact funds in, in particular, where can they go? You can find us at loud.vc. All our funds and team members are on there. Myself and Wolf are on LinkedIn. Um, and then I, you know, the book I wrote is uh, physicianunderdog.com, which actually tells the story about building from the ground up on, on SmileMD and Loud Capital and raising funds and kind of empowering yourselves to overcome your own adversity. Well, Naveen Wolf, thank you so much. And I think now it's time for a beer. Prost! Thank you both so much for your time and the invitation to join you on this. Uh, We've been big fans of the podcast and also just big fans of you personally. Thank you for sharing Cincinnati with us. Thank you for introducing us to so many of your amazing portfolio companies and friends and people who play pickleball and everything along those lines. We're, we're, we're in your gratitude and please let us know anything we can do to help support you in the podcast in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, thank you guys are the much. best. Come back whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs>Yes, Naveen and Wolf are great people who truly care about the communities, but, you know, they realize the most sustainable way to care about their communities are through investments and helping businesses, uh, which I think we've even talked about on this podcast that, uh, you know, for-profit businesses can have Mm -hmm. that social impact, you know, do good feeling, and I hope more and more businesses start thinking like that. And it is interesting because it is still kind of relatively a new idea, as we mentioned Mm. during the podcast. And I think at the end of the day, there are probably a lot of skeptics of like, well, if you're a business, money is the be all end all. Don't get me wrong. Like if you're a business, you still need to be making money. But it's really nice to know that more companies, more um, VC firms, whoever it might be, they're starting to think about how do they walk through the world? What is the impact that they leave? I will be curious to see what Wolf and Naveen come up with, with in terms of their metrics, because that I think was the most fascinating piece of the conversation. I was just about to how say do that. You calculate (laughs) metrics of impact qualitative turned into quantitative and if anyone's going to want to invest they need to see those numbers and those metrics at the end of the day and i think that's still going to be some of their biggest challenges that they face which you know i like i just said i was just about to say that and so i totally agree with you on that it eventually what they're hoping for what 27 portfolio companies and Mm -hmm. then about they're looking at like possibly like 15 metrics. Yeah. Uh, which, and how can they like apply and template lot. some of them? Yeah, that's a lot of metrics. I wonder if they could, like you said, just like copy mm-hmm. and paste over some of like the similar metric like milestones yeah, to some on other what they're company, doing, right? companies. And yeah. yeah, you have to be able to, how do you do that at scale? Because if they're gonna keep going on forward, right? Mm-hmm. Having another f- venture fund that is social impact focused like they do now, if they do more 
more. They're going to have what, you know, 50 portfolio companies that they keep up at this pace, you know, in the next, you know, five, yeah. 10 years. And so if you're doing that at scale, there's no way you can keep track of all those metrics individually. Well, and and that's why I think they have individual, but again, they have individual CEOs and these impact funds almost become their own like company mm -hmm. and incubator a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they'll spin off and do their own thing, which will be interesting to see, you know, how yeah. they continue to do that. And they are building out this network, which I think is a strength, right? Mm -hmm. Like when they were talking about how they could maybe depend on loud for some marketing support or, you know, some finance support from, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, the Ohio impact fund or the pride fund, or, you know, they can kind of build out this network of, experts yeah. almost who are running these individual funds with a parent fund that kind of runs it all the other back end materials for them that they can all lean on. And so, yeah. you know, I think in the long term, these funds will be successful because they have that support network. And it could be very much the future of what business looks like. And I think we're kind of a little bit there, but you know, there's always a level of competitive nature, but maybe it does start to become more collaborative than competitive. Mm to bring it full circle. Hopefully maybe this competitive nature, which might become collaborative, you mm -hmm. know, might challenge some of the normal way that nonprofits do things, right? You start having yeah. these impact funds coming in there, trying out this new model and, oh no, there's not enough money being donated now to the nonprofits and they're Which no means will nonprofits cease to exist? I don't know. I guess we will find no, out. No, no. So maybe they will have to collaborate to be successful together. Yeah. So we would love your to thoughts. collaborate with you. <laughs> I didn't think about that one. Um, Come on. Yes, as Ali said, we would love to collaborate with you and hear your thoughts on uh, this episode and all other previous episodes. If you email us at hosts, that's H-O-S-T-S, at mm -hmm. whenpigsfly.fm. And uh, with that, we will be able to you know answer your questions, love to hear your thoughts. Maybe we'll bring it up here on the podcast sometime. Uh, mm -hmm. Let us know if there's anyone else we should be talking to. Also, make sure you interact with us on also social media. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to us. And Allie, most importantly, what should they be doing? Tell your best friend to listen your to dog. the podcast. Your dog, your parrot, whoever it might be, your parents. Tell your friend. Just tell somebody if you really enjoy this podcast and uh, it helps us out and it means a lot to us. On that note, cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on the show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on the show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync. <laughs>